Now, three years ago, uh, in the deepest uh, darkness of the pandemic, uh, Captain Thomas Moe, Captain Tom Moe, a 99-year-old war veteran, decided to raise money for the NHS. You may remember that. And it quickly became a strange thing, didn't it? He became the darling of the COVID-19 pandemic. And he walked around on his Zimmer frame, uh, asking for sponsorship, as it were. Ten laps of 25 meters a day. He reached 1,000 pounds. Then 10,000 pounds. Then 32 million. And as he walked, he was worshipped, of course, wasn't he? He sang, you never walk alone with Michael Ball, which went to number one. He wrote a book, Artis Pentadin. The queen at the time emerged from the lockdown briefly to knight him. He was made a colonel. On his 100th birthday, he received over 140,000 birthday cards. That's, that's a lot, isn't it? I mean, some of us only get two or three or something. I mean, come on, 140. He was granted a gold blue Peter badge, a train, a bus, a puppy, and two horses were named after him. Uh, he received Guinness World Records. A, a film of his life was made. And when we think about the list of honors of Captain Tom, uh, there was just a, so many, they just piled on, didn't they? Until he died in February 2021. I wonder, what do you make of the cult of Captain Tom? Why did people feel so drawn to Captain Tom at that time? As I thought about it, I think there's only one answer. One word, comfort. Comfort. The, the dictionary defines comfort as a condition or state of finding some relief from distress to be consoled, or to be encouraged. You see, in the middle of our COVID-19 gloom, we needed someone in the country to relieve our distress, to give us comfort. So we turned to Captain Tom. Now, there's nothing strange about that. All of us are searching for comfort in life. We want to be encouraged. Regardless of how young or old you are, you want to be encouraged, you want to be consoled physically, emotionally, relationally, and of course, spiritually. And as a count of Captain Tom shows us though, we are willing to plunge very low to, be, to receive that comfort. Captain Tom was a wonderful man, but he was never going to save us. He was just a human being like us. In fact, we might even say, given his age, he needed less adulation and more caring for him uh, as he approached his own death. You could even argue he was used a little bit. You see, the truth is that nothing in this world can give us the comfort we truly yearn for because all things in this created world have their limit. They are finite. And most importantly, the things of this world can never satisfy us because the material things of this life can never satisfy the deepest part of us. What is the deepest part of us? Well, the deepest part of you is immaterial. You have a soul. 
And that soul has spiritual longings within you. Longings that can only be met by having a spiritual life with God. Now the problem is that in order for you to have, uh, to have that spiritual life with God, to have a relationship with God that brings true and lasting comfort, you need to be without sin. Because God is holy. He's a holy God. God wants to have a relationship with you, but your sin always gets in the way. That's a challenge. And the Bible puts it like this in the prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah 59, verse 1 to 2. Just the, uh, Isaiah 59, verse 1 to 2, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor is his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. And your sins have hid his face from you so that he will not hear. You see, we have all rebelled against God. In order for us to have true and lasting comfort, therefore we need God, by his grace, to take the initiative to reach out to us. And the amazing news of the Bible is that God has done that. God has put on the rags of human flesh in the person of Jesus. And he has come to give us True and lasting comfort. That's the sensation of good news of the Bible. And we find this sensational truth in the passage we are looking at this evening. Because this is a prophecy that God gave the prophet Isaiah, living in Israel, 2,800 years ago. You see, the people of God in the Old Testament at this time had rebelled against God. So God decided to lovingly discipline them by sending them into foreign exile. In 587 BC, the global superpower, Babylon, invaded the capital city, Jerusalem. It destroyed the city. It ransacked the temple. It killed many people. In fact, much worse than what we're seeing even in the Ukraine. The rest of the people were carried off as slaves to Babylon. It was genocide on a different scale. Israel lost everything. There was terrible suffering. We read about it in the book of Lamentations. But a hundred years before that took place, before the nation of Israel went into exile in Babylon, God had given them an advanced word of comfort through the prophet Isaiah. In chapter 39, God tells of Isaiah, chapter 39, God tells Israel they'll go into exile. Isaiah 39, verse uh, 5 to 7 says this. Then Isaiah said to Ezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of us. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. That's Isaiah 50, 39. But then God quickly adds in chapter 40 that they will return from exile. The verses we're looking at this evening, comfort, yes, comfort my people, Isaiah 40 verse 1. Says your God, speak 
comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that our warfare is ended, that our iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all our sins. God here is not just promising that the people of Israel will return um, physically from exile. He is promising them lasting comfort. The passage answers, this passage answers the question that every human being is asking. How can I truly have comfort that I can truly depend on? And the answer Isaiah gives us in, in these two verses that God offers us lasting comfort in Jesus Christ. God offers us lasting comfort in Jesus. Here are two comforts. This evening I just want to share with you two comforts from this verse that God is offering us in Jesus. Okay? The first comfort. God offers us the lasting comfort of true belonging. That's the first comfort. True belonging. That's what God is offering you. The comfort of truly belonging to him. You know, we can learn a lot about our society by listening to the popular buzzwords that we use every day. The words I'm hearing are words like vulnerability, presence, influencer, belong. Those are the buzzwords of our society. That final word, belong, is really popular today. It is a sales pitch of many clubs and community. I've seen it at Crook Log as I'm driving in. You belong here, even at Crook Log, right? <laughs> you can belong here if you join this club, right? Why has belonging become such a popular idea in our culture? I think it's because many of us lack a true sense of belonging. I think that's the reason. You see, for all our great advances in, in technology and instant communication, we are the most lonely generation in all of history. Many in our society are longing to genuinely belong. As I speak to many people, especially young people, what many young people are really asking is this, where do I belong? What is my identity? Who are my people? All of us, not just the young people, long to belong. It is a primary need to belong. A need greater than food. You, you can flourish in life, you can flourish in life without food for a while, but you cannot flourish in life without a true sense of belonging. And we do not just want to belong anywhere, right? All of us long to belong to something or someone larger and better than ourselves. I mean, why would you want to belong to something that's less than you or, or, or even just like you? You want to belong to something better. In other words, even though we, we may not want to admit it, what we long for really is to be hugged by God. We want God to hug us. We want to belong to him. He's the only one. God is the only one with the infinite capacity to satisfy all of our needs. And the great news of this passage in Isaiah, Isaiah 40 verse 1, is that the one true God of the Bible is offering each one of us this lasting comfort of true belonging that we yearn for. Look at this one there. Comfort. Yes. Comfort, my people, says your God. Don't miss that key phrase there. My people. 
It is very possessive, isn't it? God is saying to Isaiah, tell Israel, because Isaiah is a prophet, so God is telling Isaiah, tell Israel she already has a home. She is completely mine. Now, when we read those words, we just jump in and read them. It doesn't hit us. But when you take into account what we just read earlier in chapter 39, we read earlier just a few verses before that Isaiah just told Israel that God is sending them into exile for their sin. And now in the same breath, in almost the same breath, God is saying to Isaiah now, comfort them for me. Tell them that even though they are going into exile, I have not bailed out on them. I know they have slapped me in the face with their sin. I know they have been chasing after manufactured gods. But I'm still holding them close to my chest. My heart still beats love for them. I am still their tender father who holds them in eternal embrace. They are my people. Comfort, yes. Comfort my people, says your God. What a God of grace. Our God is a God of grace. You know, it is shocking that God would say this to rebellious Israel. It's shocking. But it shocks us even more when we remember just how great this God is. You see, for many of us, God is just a word. Who is God? How does God speak of himself? Well, Isaiah has told us, just if you glance over to verse 25, God speaks in verse 25 of Isaiah 40 to 28. This is the God who is speaking. Verse 25 to 28 says, To whom then will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be, shall, shall I be equal, says the Holy One. He's a holy God. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things. He's God, the creator of all things. Who brings them out, they are all by number. He calls them all by name. The greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. The God of the Bible is omnipotent. There's no limit to his power. And he knows each thing intimately. Verse 27, why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my claim is passed over by my God. God is omniscient. He sees everything. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Have you not known? Verse 28. Have you not heard? The everlasting God. This is a God without beginning, no end. He has always been. He is the great I am. The unchanging one. And that is to say that the love of God itself is unchanging. The mercy of God is unchanging. God doesn't have to wake up to love us. God is love. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He neither fends nor is worried. His understanding is unsearchable. Whenever we hear the name God, we hear the word God, or we hear the word the Lord, we should stand up. We should, we should take note. This is a God we are talking about. A holy God, a great God, who does not need anyone. And yet in this verse, what is he saying to Israel? He's saying in verse 1, what does he say? He says, comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. This God, this great God, this holy God, who doesn't need anyone, 
is saying to Israel, I know my sense of justice and holiness demands that I banish you away from my presence forever. But I'm committed to you as my people. Now, immediately it was the question, doesn't it? How can God still call sinful Israel my people? When they have just stabbed God in his holy chest with their sin. Well, the wonderful answer is in verse 2, isn't it? Speak comfort to Jerusalem. Cry out to her that our warfare is ended, that our iniquity is pardoned. Just pausing there, isn't it? The word for pardon there literally means to be paid off. Our iniquity is paid off in the Hebrew. God is saying to Israel, your sin is like a credit card bill that has now completely been paid off. And which raises the question, doesn't it? Who has paid it off? It is certainly not Israel. Israel would have to be punished forever by God to pay for their sin. The sin against God has an infinite penalty because God is an infinite being. Human beings can never pay off their sin before God. We can never atone for our sin. So God here has graciously decided to pay it for them. Is promising them 200 years in advance of their exile that they are already forgiven. You're already forgiven up front, even before you go into exile. But this was the problem, isn't it? Remember, God is holy, He's just. Israel's rebellion demands that God punishes them. God cannot turn a blind eye to anything. At the same time, God loves them. So how will God show Israel mercy by forgiving their rebellion against him and yet remain holy and just? Well, according to Isaiah, God plans to pay off their infinite debt of sin against him through the future death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because we're now reading this prophecy in light of the message of Isaiah. And we recognize that Isaiah speaks to this in Isaiah 53 verse 6. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, not on us, on him, the iniquity of us all. The, the people of God in the Old Testament, Israel, enjoyed the benefits of the relationship with God based on this future grace of God in our Lord Jesus Christ. Because we recognize Isaiah 53 verse 6 is talking of Jesus' death on the cross. The good news of Jesus is that we too now can receive true comfort of belonging to God as his people through the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. The penalty of our sin against God is death. That's why we hold God. Not just physical death, but also spiritual separation from God and everlasting punishment in hell. But our Lord Jesus willingly bled and died on the cross for us. He did it to suffer the full weight of God's almighty wrath and punishment for us. The gospel in four words, Christ in my place. You see, on the cross, our Lord Jesus took on himself the very wrath and judgment of God that you deserve. 
Christ, beloved, didn't divert away the wrath of God. No, he absorbed it in on himself for you and I. And he did that if you, so that if you truly repent of your sin and surrender your life to God based on his death on the cross for you, this very moment you will belong to God. Your sins, not in part, but the all, is nailed to the cross and you bear it no more. This very moment. And if you are trusting in Jesus already, well, God has already pardoned your sin. Past, present, and future. You, are, you already have true belonging in Christ. You are part of God's people. We should smile about that. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. A mind-boggling thing. Let me ask you this evening. Have you received, as you sit here this evening, the true comfort of belonging to Jesus? Are you still looking to discover who you are? Where you truly belong? Or can you say, I have found a home in Jesus Christ? Can you truly say this evening that you have truly surrendered to Jesus as your Lord and Savior? I'm not asking whether you call yourself a Christian. Do you deep down trust in Jesus as your only comfort in life and death. That's what I'm asking. And does your life really show that your comfort is in Jesus? Or does it show you're still searching for comfort? You're still searching for comfort in family, comfort in career, comfort in money, comfort in friendships. Maybe you're asking, Chola, how can I really tell whether my comfort is belonging to Jesus or just belonging to things of this world? Well, it's very simple, isn't it? When your comfort is in this world, you live to fit Jesus around the things of the world. Because you're looking to this world, you see, and so you're trying to squeeze Jesus in among worldly things. So your life is set on worldly things and you're trying to squeeze Jesus in. And of course, Jesus is infinite. He can be squeezed in those things. But if Jesus is your comfort in life and death, then, then your life now fits around him, you see. He's the center of gravity of your life. He's the a, he's a, he's a central point of your life's circumference, we might say. You see, if you are always... I'm not saying Christians sometimes we don't struggle with this issue. I'm saying... If you, so hear me right. If you are always trying to fit Jesus in your life, then you've got to be honest. Not I'm saying sometimes you don't struggle with it, but if you are always, if your natural bent is to fit Jesus in, then he's not your true comfort in life or death. It does not matter what comes out of your mouth. It does not matter whether you've been baptized. It does not matter whether you're a member of the church. There's no comfort in those things. The only thing that matters is, are you regenerate? Is Jesus the center of your life or not? And you must be honest with yourself. You're always trying to squeeze Jesus into your life. You, you've never had a passion to squeeze things into, around Jesus. It's always the other way around. <coughs> then be honest that Jesus doesn't yet have your heart. Your comfort is in other things. And it's very likely that you are not truly converted. 
Jesus is simply an add-on. But beloved, Jesus is God. He can't simply be an add-on. And so God is saying to you tenderly, come, come to me. I am offering you the comfort of true belonging, Jesus. Surrender your life to me. Let, it, let me be your only comfort in life and death. Accept that if you die today, you'd not spend life with me because I don't currently have your heart. Accept that there's no comfort for you in heaven. Repent of your sin now. Come to me because I am your only true comfort. If you reject my comfort, you're choosing eternal discomfort in hell forever. And so this evening, come quietly before God. Today, say today, that day I truly understood that it is Jesus or bust. And I'm trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone. And you're crying out, God, Lord, change me. I am a sinner. I come to you, change my heart. Give me a new heart. Help me so that from now on I can live only for you. If you do that, God will give you a new life. Young or old. I became a Christian at the age of 13. So we're never young to come to Christ. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Surrender to him. God is offering you the lasting comfort of true belonging. That's the first truth we learn here. The second truth we learn here is that God offers us the second comfort. God offers us the lasting comfort of true blessing. So true belonging, second thing, true blessing. Now, in the film, Transcendency, I don't know if anyone here has watched it, I'll be interested if you have. Uh, it stars Johnny Depp, right? Johnny Depp plays a scientist who uploads his human consciousness to the internet. And in the process of doing that, uh, he becomes omnipotent in the film. He's just got unlimited power. He can do whatever he likes. But sadly, what happens in the film is that his new superpowers turn him into an evil maniac. Now, when you think about the film, it is making an interesting point, which atheists like to make. And the point is this. A God who is absolutely powerful can never be good for us. I mean, that's the question like, would you really want to live next door to a person who owned a nuclear bomb? Of course not. It would be too scary. I mean, you, you want to be far away from that. Because you can't trust another person who's got a nuclear bomb. It's a legitimate argument. But you see, the God of Isaiah is not like the made-up idol of Johnny Depp. Our God is holy and good. And he uses his power to bless his people in Christ. This is why Isaiah says here, Comfort Yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak to Jerusalem and cry out to her that our warfare is ended. The word for warfare there means hard service or hardship or severe trials. You see, Isaiah is looking, he's in the 8th century and he's looking forward in time to 6th century BC. And he's saying God will end Yes, God is going to send Israel into exile. But then God will end Israel's 70-year captivity in Babylon. Their time of distress will stop. God will once again bring them back home into their lands. 
And this blessing of the physical return of the people of Israel was fulfilled, of course. God's people returned just as Isaiah prophesied. Exactly as Isaiah and Jeremiah foretold. But this prophecy is more than just a blessing of a physical return from exile. It is a comforting promise of a true spiritual blessing. Look at this two again. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that our warfare is ended, that our iniquity before God is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand, Yahweh's hand, double for all our sins. What does Isaiah mean here when he says she has received from the Lord's hand double for all our sins? Well, we must interpret, we must let Isaiah interpret Isaiah, isn't it? That's a good way to read the Bible. So Isaiah 61 verse 7, this phrase comes up again. Isaiah 61 verse 7 says this, instead of your shame, you shall have what? Double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. Do you see that? The word double there refers not simply to physical return, but everlasting spiritual blessing on top of the physical blessing. We find the same meaning, actually, in another prophet, Zechariah 9, verse 12, a very famous passage. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today I declare that I will restore double to you. So in Isaiah 40, verse 2, God is comforting Israel that he will not simply uh, forgive their sins. That's a great thing, but he will give them a double blessing or double comfort. On top of the blessing of returning from exile, the faithful Israelites among them will enjoy eternal spiritual blessings in the future through the Messiah, Jesus. You see, Isaiah was again looking forward to this future coming of Jesus, the true King of Israel, who through his death gives us true and lasting spiritual blessings. Paul speaks of this, doesn't he? Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to 10. Let me just read that for you. A famous passage. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him. In love, having predestined us to adoption, as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. The apostle point in that famous passage uh, is 
the Apostle Paul is saying, if you are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, all the blessings that belong to Jesus now belongs to you in Him. Now this doesn't mean we will never experience distress. We must remember that even our Lord Jesus wept. And because Christ suffered, we too are called to suffer for Him. Paul reminds the church of Philippi that, uh, that Christ has, 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 has called them not only to believe, to you it's been granted not only to believe in Him, but to suffer for Him. The Apostle Peter talks about the same thing, that just as Christ suffered, we too are called to suffer for Him. So what this truth is teaching us in, in, in Isaiah 40 verse 2 and Ephesians 1, 3 to 10, what this truth is teaching us is that in Jesus, we have all the comfort we need. That's the point. We have all the comfort we need. We have all His spiritual blessing. We lack nothing in Christ. Did you hear that? If you are in Christ, this very moment, as a believer, with all that's going on in your life, you lack nothing. You are completely provided for in Christ. Now we know that while we are in this world, we belong to Jesus. He is our provider. We know that He is caring for everything. And we know that this world is not all there is. We, we have eternity to come. The new world and the new, and the new heavens and the new earth where righteousness dwells. You see, the message of the world is that if you want comfort in life, if you want comfort in life, what must you do? So the world is saying, pull yourself up by your bootstrap. If that doesn't work, find your Captain Tom. That's what the world says. But Isaiah is telling us, no, no, man-made comfort is a pipe dream. It cannot give us lasting comfort of true belonging and true blessing. True comfort only comes from God. And if you're truly trusting in the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have all you need in the Lord Jesus. You know, maybe you're trusting in Jesus uh, as, as your Lord this evening. And then you find yourself in an exceedingly difficult time in your life. Is that you? You see, when we're going through suffering, it is difficult for us to hear and take to heart what I've been talking about, what the Bible has been talking about, that God has given us lasting comfort in our Lord Jesus Christ. We hear that, but we just can't process it. It is hard to believe you have all the comforts of true blessing in Jesus when you or your loved one is struggling with poor health. It's hard. It is hard to believe you have the comfort of true blessing in Jesus when God appears not to be answering your prayer for a job or for a life partner. It is hard. It is hard to believe you have all the comfort you need in Jesus when you're struggling uh, to repair a broken relationship with someone. It is hard. But beloved, our Father knows. He knows we are human. He knows that the suffering of this world makes it difficult for us to rest in His comfort. He knows that we struggle to receive His comfort even when He offers it to us. Especially when we suffer. He knows that. He knows that as long as we are in this world, we will always stumble on the waves like Peter. He knows that. And that's why 
our Lamb tender Father, has put this passage in the Bible. And that's why he has brought you here today, this evening, to hear the words of the comfort of Isaac. God is inviting you this evening to bring your distress, your hard service, your current trial. He knows all about it. And he's saying to you this evening, receive this word of comfort. He wants you to hear his voice of comfort in this passage. Comfort, yes, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly, speak comfort to Jerusalem. Another version says, speak tenderly and cry out to her that our warfare is ended. That our iniquity is pardoned. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all our sins. Listen to how committed he is towards you as you read those verses. Listen to the tenderness of your God in Christ. And listen especially to how he commands us, the preachers, for your benefit. You've got to realize that this passage here is God speaking to Isaiah. And so if I was speaking to pastors, I'll be preaching a little bit differently. I'll be emphasizing different things because this is God speaking to Isaiah, Isaiah and commanding Isaiah on how he should preach to the people. So this passage is, if you like, you've got to listen in now as the member of the audience, listen to how God is commanding the preachers, the Isaiahs as it were, the, the, the preachers of our day, for your benefit. He's saying to the preachers, he's saying to me as a preacher, he's saying to the elders here, comfort her with my comfort in our season of suffering. Tell her that once she was not part of the people of God, but now she is my people. Let her know that she now belongs to me forever. God is saying, cry to him in this difficult situation he finds himself of affliction. Tell him that he has already received double for all his sins. He has true belonging in Christ. He has true blessing in Christ. Remind him, he says. Let him know that I have a tender heart. Because his sins have already been cleansed on the cross and he bears them not. Let him know that I am holding him close to my chest. God is saying, let this church know that one day their welfare, their warfare will end when I come in God. There will be no more pain, no more tears, no more death. Well, no more living crisis. Whatever it is called, because of living crisis, we are headed for a world where there will be no sustenance. And God is saying, let them know through this passage that all the former things will pass away. Because I am coming to make all things new. I am bringing them everlasting blessings. In the words of Zechariah, return to the stronghold. You prisoners of God, even today I declare that I will store double to you. Oh, beloved, 
If you are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ this evening, be comforted. The heart of our Father is a loving heart. And His heart beats comfort for you in Christ. He's saying, be comforted. You are all you need. As only said, you repent of any self-reliance, any self-pity, and any desires to look to human comforts. Come. Receive the comfort. Rest in this comfort in Jesus Christ. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are God. And we thank you that you have given us the living one. Lord, you know each and every heart that is gathered here this evening. You know those that are, do not yet know you. And we do pray that you would draw them to yourself this evening. Give them that true belonging that they yearn for. Remind them that there is nothing in this world that can provide the identity they seek and that belong only the Lord Jesus Christ. We do pray for those that are struggling and anxiety. Oh Father, we pray that you would work powerfully in them to remind them of the comfort that they have, the blessing, the spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. We do pray for this church, oh Lord. Please assure it in the comfort and blessing of Jesus Christ. In the name of your precious son.